a happy Lord's Day, but especially a, a happy Mother's Day to all of our ladies here, to all of our mothers, and it is a day where we remember that special gift. And that's what we're going to pray about. And in fact, that's going to be the focus of the scriptures today and the focus of the message. And we're going to ask God to, to help us as we turn to him in prayer as well. There's a passage from Psalm 87 that assures us that God hears our prayers. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. To all who call upon the Lord, he responds in, in the Hebrew, chesed, steadfast love in the English, covenant love. If you call upon him, he responds. That's the promise. Let's call upon him. Our Heavenly Father, we turn to you today remembering from your very word about our disposition in approaching you. It must be in reverence. It must be with contrite hearts, aware of who we are and who you are. And yet, you assure us that as we call upon you, as we come to you, as you reveal yourself to us, and you have done so through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, you will respond to us with your covenant love. That love also demonstrated to us on the cross where you, having lived a perfect life on our behalf, died a sacrificial death on our behalf, rising again from the dead and sealing all of the promises that you make unto us who believe. Hear our prayer for forgiveness of our sins and for now our petitions for those among us who are hurting physically for those among us who are grieving spiritually for those among us who are struggling mentally for those among us who are running from you. 
help them today to come home Bless the little children. Bless and anoint the infants. For you, Lord Jesus, received and placed your hands on infants to the astonishment of your disciples. And yet you revealed that spiritual value came to those little ones because of your touch. And so we present the infants of this congregation to you. We, in spirit and prayer, place them before you now and ask for your blessing. Those yet to be born, those women with child, we place before you. We place before you those couples desiring children. We place before you those couples who have not had children, that they may see that there are other children you may bring to them and have already brought to them in ways that may surprise them. For those couples who grieve the loss of a child, And for those children who have grown gray-headed and who today grieve the loss of their mother on this special day, touch their hearts. Especially be near and encourage our young mothers who have so much upon them and encourage them and remind them of the heroines that they are to us. And those mothers who have run a strong race and are the models to the younger women and the models to all of us, men and women, wise women among us, from whom we learn much. You are a good God. You give so much wealth to us. And part of that are wise Bible women in our midst. We have so much to learn. We have so many to learn from. We want to receive your blessings and so help us to have open palms. Help us to know to run to you to receive Help us to recognize that all good things come from thee. And help us not to trade the wealth of heaven for the fool's gold of the world. 
And so we pray to you, being assured that you will respond with steadfast love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. is the custom of the church would you stand for the reading of the word of the Lord I'll be reading from the Old Testament and from the New and from the Old Testament I'll be reading from Proverbs chapter 31 beginning with verse 10 and moving through verse 31 and then we will move to the New Testament and we'll read only a portion of the pastoral epistles, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. And I would remind you that this is the inerrant and the infallible word of the living God. And first we read the words of the mother of King Lemuel. beginning with verse 10. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates where he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. 
She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. From the New Testament, a very enigmatic passage that is connected to an argument that the Apostle Paul is making concerning worship at Ephesus, but contains very important thought and teaching for us today on this day. Verse 13, for Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor, yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord will endure forever. Let us pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. A great baseball philosopher, Yogi Berra, said, you can observe a lot just by looking. True enough. As a pastor, I've learned that you can hear a lot just by listening. And I heard something this week that was very important. Someone in the church asked me, after reading this scripture, and both scriptures, and wanting to help to teach the children, she asked me a very important question. In fact, it was one of the greatest questions I've heard about the passages. She said, now, no, since I have to teach the children, where's the gospel in this? The gospel, of course, is the good news of Jesus Christ. That's a good question. And that's going to be the question that drives the rest of the message. And there's an answer. It is the question that has to be asked, of course, for every passage in all of the Bible. Where is the good news of Jesus Christ in this? And on Mother's Day, I think that I want to ask it not only of Proverbs 31, which sometimes has become a very misunderstood passage. I want to ask it about Mother's Day 
because Mother's Day itself has sometimes become misunderstood. I believe Mother's Day suffers from some of the same issues as Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31 sometimes can be taken out of context, and when taken out of context, it can end up breaking the heart of those hearts that it originally was intended to encourage. Mother's Day, likewise, when taken out of the context of its origin, can, it can do the same. Its origin was the church. In 1908, uh, a lady in West Virginia uh, by, by the name of Ann uh, Jasper uh, in Grafton, West Virginia, 1908. It was about 43 years after the, civil, the American Civil War and people were still mourning, mothers were still mourning the loss of husbands and sons and she wanted to do something for her mother and for the mothers of her community and she convinced her pastor at St. Andrew's Methodist Church there in Grafton, West Virginia to hold a Mother's Day. Well, it caught on in other parts of West Virginia and the state and then the region and then finally Congress and Woodrow Wilson signed it into law as 1914 and World War I was coming into being and that's how Mother's Day started. So it's not on the Christian calendar, but it was a Christian virtue. It was a Christian influence that caused it to become a civic holiday. But would you believe that the woman who founded Mother's Day ended up protesting and even getting arrested for Mother's Day? Why? She didn't like Hallmark cards or carnations being sold and marketed around Mother's Day. And she protested it. She said, this is about church and moms, mothers, and about the sanctity of motherhood. Now, I'm not protesting what I believe is a very wonderful company uh, that my wife and I know very well, the, Hall, the Hallmark Company and the Hall family uh, who do great things in Kansas City where we used to pastor. But it is an illustration to show that what starts out as something in the church focused as a spiritual day uh, can become something else. And Proverbs was like that. Proverbs can even become a sort of weapon that is used uh, against women. Even a weapon of one woman against another woman judging. Uh, are you up to this Proverbs 31 standard? The truth is, Proverbs 31 was not written by yet, uh, as some liberal theologians would have us to believe, yet another patriarchal priest or prophet who has sort of a glamorized photo shoot of an idealized portrait of a woman 
rather it is, if you read the text, it is the, the mother of King Lemuel. Now who is that? King Lemuel is not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. Old Testament theologians like Bruce Waltke and others recognized the Jewish tradition that this very likely was Solomon and Solomon's mother, who was Bathsheba. And so the words that we are reading about a composite study of the kind of woman Bathsheba, if that's who wrote it, wanted for her son, those words, if not actually written by a woman were written, were told by a woman to her son, the king, about the kind of woman she should marry, he should marry. And so it's a, it's a composite of all the types of attributes he should be looking for in a wife. And this from Bathsheba, whose life from end to end wouldn't exactly measure up to all of those attributes. None of us measure up to all of the standards. That's why we need a savior. But certain parts of Bathsheba's life did. There were certain seasons where, uh, to quote Eugene Peterson, she was faithful. Uh, she had a long obedience in the same direction. She was a faithful wife and mother. And that characterizes uh, all of us. We're not faithful all of our lives, but there are significant seasons of life when we turn to God and we begin to follow him. Well, I believe that God has given us this beautiful psalm and especially uh, this beautiful proverb, and especially on Mother's Day, to remind us that he has given to us special women in our lives. There are, in fact, 18 attributes. Now, I'm not going to give you an 18-point sermon. There are 18 attributes about this composite of a woman, uh, of a wife and a mother that King Lemuel's mom wanted for him. But what's interesting in the text is how this special kind of woman reaches not only King Lemuel, not only uh, a husband, but reaches several other kind of people. And what I want to show you today is how God blesses us with the special with special women in our lives. And I want you to follow this. So the reason that I call it the, the Christian woman's guilt-free guide to Proverbs 31 is, first of all, it's not a burden on you to see this. It is a composite picture of, of a wife and a mom given, written, no doubt, or at least given by a woman to her son. But it's also a, a a beautiful picture that's given from God to the church. 
This is scripture. So it's, it, there is gospel, there is good news here. And the good news is that, that God wants to show us the beauty, the beauty of the special women that he has given to us. Now, the special women is, the special woman in our life is given, first of all, of course, to, to a husband, an excellent wife, who can find she is more precious than jewels, the heart of her husband trusts in her, and he'll have no lack of gain. And also, again, in verse 23, her husband is known in the gates. It's very interesting here that it's not merely her husband is known in the courts. That would be the place for a king, but her husband is known in the gates. So the woman is, <clears throat> King Lemuel's mother is referring to the fact that this wife blesses a husband, whether the husband is a carpenter or whether the husband is a king. Often I will use Proverbs 31 in instruction in premarital counseling with our young brides-to-be to remind them of how powerful their life and witness is to their husband. Because men need, uh, it's more than a cheerleader, as I've read some pop psychology books talk about it. God created men to be fulfilled with woman. And Jesus talked about, of course, Christ himself was uh, celibate. Christ himself did not marry. The exception, though, are those who do not, men who do not take a wife. The norm, and we don't order the, the rule by the exception, the rule is that men need the wife to be complete. They, they truly are incomplete. And God blesses humankind with that, that beautiful fulfillment. He's known in the gates. That is, he, he finds his being, his purpose, his meaning, and even his relationship with other men is, is crafted by the relationship with his wife. What a blessing. There's much more that could be said about that. But of course, verse 28 and 29 also shows that when it says, the husband rises up and says, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. But it's not only a husband it goes much deeper and, and wider. It says in verses 13, 14, 15, 16, he spends a lot of time on this. In fact, all the way up to verse 19, that she blesses special women in our lives, bless not only the husbands in our community, the special women in our lives bless our households, and when we say households, we've got to expand that and say they bless the economy. Because here, this woman, she's like the ships of the merchant. And he goes on to talk about her activity. This woman is extraordinary. Now remember, you say, well, 
how can, how can one woman do all of this? Well, remember, it is a composite study that the mother of King Lemuel is given. Giving. But what is so true is that the women in our lives are so impactful of our communities, of the very markets. And we should never disdain whether our women are engaged in the marketplace uh, as employees of corporations or their own businesses or whether the uh, women in our lives are running our homes in which they are managers of our homes as this woman was a manager of the home, was an overseer of an estate, a wealthy woman, an overseer of the affairs of her house with employees reporting to her. The women in our lives are engaged and should never be discounted in any way, whether they are homemakers, a word that has fallen into disuse, but a word which is a biblical word, whether they are homemakers or whether, in fact, they are running the CEO of an organization or President of the United States or Prime Minister of Great Britain. And the Bible shows this. They're a blessing. It's interesting that we as Christians have sometime in the past argued about these kind of things. The Bible never argues about it at all. The Bible's very forthright about the blessing of women in that way. But also we see that the special women in our lives are a blessing to the needy and the poor. In verse 20, she opens her hands to the poor. She reaches out her hands to the needy. In the various movements in our country, and whether it was the temperance movement, and the temperance movement was much more than the Prohibition Act. The temperance movement was led by women, started in the state of Kansas, which was concerned about alcoholism, which was breaking up families. It was led by women. Whether it was the temperance movement, whether it's, it's uh, mothers against drunk driving, whether it's local missions, whether it's mercy ministries in this church or show me any other church in this community in Mecklenburg, in Union County, in the state of North Carolina, or anywhere in the United States. Show me a mercy ministry in the church, and I will show you, demonstrated this passage, that women are at the forefront of it. For just as women went and took care of the body, the dead body of the Lord Jesus to anoint him, as they cared for the body there, women have cared for the body of Christ through the centuries and do today. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's a unique ministry that God has given to our women, and we are blessed, and God is showing us this and requiring that we give thanks to God and that we honor the women among us. And we recognize that. She also is a blessing to the church. In verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. 
we think of the Sunday school teachers and, and other workers here in our, our church here. I think of the Sunday school teachers in my own life or the Sunday school teacher that my wife has been or how my wife is ministered in all of our congregations or the Sunday school teachers. Uh, I think of the teachers my son has had. One comes to my mind in particular who was so sweet to him when he was a little boy at, at First Presbyterian in Chattanooga who's with the Lord now. And how dear she was to us, how she influenced him. What a blessing. And on a day like today, I'm so thankful for, for this woman rising up in 1908 and saying, remember mothers, because God gave us a whole chapter to say, remember the women in your lives. Remember how I created them. Remember how I've used them in a special way in the body of Christ. Yes, and even other women. You know, when the husband, or I should say first, the children, of course, verse 28, her children rise up and call her blessed. And Ernesto said it so well, we wouldn't be here. But it, it, goes, it goes much deeper, doesn't it, than, than biology. It, it's a... It's a lifelong nurturing relationship. Sometimes it is that biological mother and sometimes it's another woman who has loved and cared for us. And sometimes it's, sometimes on days like today we need to particularly remember uh, all of the women in our lives who are blessings to us, who have mothered us, through our lives. The children rise up and call them blessed. Today is a day to rise up and do that, but today is a day to remind you to do that throughout all of the year. Now, her husband also says that the other women, Other women have done excellently, and I think that we can draw from that that even the special women in our life are, are, are blessings even to other women. And we think of Paul's admonition in the pastoral epistles that the older women should teach the younger. When women are striving to, to be women of faith, they are blessings to other women. And then finally, and this is the, this is where we had to this is where we had to go. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her work praise her in the gates. Now, woman is not only a blessing to her husband, to the economy and the market, to the, the poor and the needy, to, uh, to, uh, to her children and, and to, to uh, the church, to all of these others. No, the woman 
is a blessing to humanity. And this is where we come to 1 Timothy 2, 13 through 15. And the Apostle Paul is making an argument that is another sermon altogether. But in the argument, he begins to argue from creation and the fall. And in that argument, in 1 Timothy 2, 13 through 15, he talks about the woman who had been deceived and the woman who fell. And he says that she shall be saved through childbearing. Now, does that mean then that the woman will be experience salvation only if she has a child? Well, that would exclude all, it would exclude maybe little girls who, who go to be with the Lord before they're grown. It would exclude those who can't have children or don't have children or those who are celibate and never marry. It excludes a whole lot of people. Those who die in childbirth, does it guarantee childbirth? Medically, of course not. Well, what is Paul saying? Dr. George W. Knight III, in his wonderful commentary, gathered the thinking of great commentators throughout the centuries when he said, Paul here is bringing together the spiritual salvation truth when he's arguing from creation that woman in who fell first is also the one God chose from Genesis 3.15 where the redemptive promise was made that you're going to bring forth from your seed, that is without the help of a man, one who will crush that one who deceived you. Without the help of a man. That woman, in bringing forth the Messiah, brought salvation to humankind. That woman, as mother to God, as complex theologically as that sounds, Theotokos, the God-bearer, is the truth. And when Mary says, generations will call me blessed, though we see the extreme, sometimes we also see the slight. We know that she is right and her prophecy is true. That womankind in this passage is shown to be the bearer of redemption in humankind. And portrays, portrays that so beautifully. And while some cultures fail to recognize the redemption of the fall and continue to recognize woman only behind, say, a burqa or only behind some other guise, some other identity including our own culture, which seems to identify or objectify woman only in sensuality. 
the Bible portrays woman in a completely different way. So that Jesus Christ lifts up woman. Sometimes in the New Testament, so much that it disturbs others around him, including his own disciples. My Aunt Eva, who reared me, could never bear children. She never had any children of her own. But when I was orphaned and the state gave me to her, and she reared me, she's the only mother I ever knew. My wife and I, her mother, my well-beloved mother-in-law, her mother is with the Lord, and my Aunt Eva is with the Lord, and so we were, uh, it's supposed to be white roses, but our white roses fell off the, the rose bush, so the best we could do was get pink roses today. You're supposed to have red roses if your mom's alive, and white ones if she's gone on before you, so we've got pink. They're still alive in our hearts, you see. But Aunt Eva couldn't bear children, but she, she bore Christ in her heart and her life to me. And I never knew a day in my life where she didn't put her hand on my head. That is a day in my life growing up where she didn't put her hand on my head as a child or when I was in high school and she had to do like this and pray for me before I went to school. And whatever I say to you today, and whatever I will speak to anyone, it is only the teaching of that little backwoods woman speaking through me. The Gospel of Proverbs 31 and the Gospel of the beautiful story of womankind in the scripture is simply this. Ladies, young girls, your identity is in Jesus Christ. You are daughters of Almighty God. And we honor you. And men and boys, we need to follow the one who caused this scripture to be written about woman. And who placed his loving hand of approval on the role of womankind. And today fall down before him and say, thank you, God. And all of us need to follow him as the living Lord, the son of Mary. Let us pray. Our Father, teach us 
to come to you with reverent spirits and love you and teach us to honor each other out of our honor for you. If there is one here who does not know you, then today is the day for them to turn to you. Today is the day for me to turn to you and for all of us to return to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand with us as we sing to the Lord one more song. Your breath.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Heavenly Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. I was meaning to say, do this once, then go to 